Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. This week, I have a very dear friend on all the way from Chicago in the USA, and it is Heather Reed. Welcome, Heather. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming and talking to me. So we're going to talk about basically how you're living in the world right now with COVID happening. Every country is going through something different, but we're all going through something. So we just want to know how you're doing and what's going on. Oh my God, we, we're surviving. This is something that none of us have seen before. It's crazy. I just, I keep reminding myself every time when I wake up, I'm like, this is real. This is happening in our country. You hear these things on the news and maybe it's common to hear these things for other countries. And you think, oh, you know, you feel bad for them. But like, no, this is happening for us. This is real. This is every day. It's not going away. And it's like, oh my gosh, when is it going to stop? But there really is no stopping point you don't know no and I I often when I go to bed I think do I have to set my alarm do I have to get up tomorrow and I'm like (laughs) no actually I don't this is weird I I, yeah sometimes and I feel like sometimes it's a dream like is this really where we're at right now it doesn't feel real but it's absolutely real yeah and I like I tease my coworkers. I'm like I don't know how to go back to work where I actually have to get up, do my makeup, do my hair, put on a bra, like a setting an alarm. I wake up when, when my daughter, if she wakes me up, that's when I get up. Like until she wakes me up, I'm sleeping. I'm getting as much sleep as I can. So, yeah. yeah. So can you explain to me how has things changed for you from everyday normal life to now? Pre-COVID, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would wake up 430 AM every single day, I would get up, get myself ready because I'm in sales. I have to be presentable. I have to wear professional attire, get up, get myself ready. I would wake my two-year-old up at 6 AM, get her ready, get her fed for breakfast, get my lunch ready to go out of the house. And we would leave basically 6.45 AM. I'd take her to daycare, drop her off, get her situated. And then I would be at work at 7.30 AM. And I would start my day at that point. I would work until 4.30, go to daycare, pick her up, get her home, feed her, (laughs) get her ready for bed, bathe in bed by seven, start dinner for my husband who he gets home usually eight o'clock, nine o'clock, we eat, and then it's off to bed to do the routine all over. Wow. Okay. What is daily (laughs) life like right now for you? Now, laundry is less. I wear leggings every day hooded sweatshirt every day, hair goes in a pony, no makeup. Lucky if I get my teeth brushed, I have my coffee. <laughs> I get my coffee set to go off at 5.30 because Nora wakes up typically around 6 a.m. So that way I know when she's calling me from the other room, I can go grab my cup of coffee, walk in there, get her up, you know, get her situated, get her breakfast. And that way, Aaron and I can flip-flop and I can go to my back room to basically work and him and I flip-flop schedule. So I'll work for a few hours, then he'll work for a few hours because we kind of have to tackle watching Nora because So she's not at daycare? She's not at daycare. So daycare is closed. They just gave me confirmation this last Friday that they won't be open until at the earliest July. So we're looking at an additional two months 
no daycare. And she's not been in daycare since mid-March. Wow. So they are all closed. They're all closed. Okay. Is that America-wide or is that every state is different? Every state is different. However, for the most part, since my sister lives in Iowa, the neighboring state, their daycares are closed as well, unless you're essential workers. So Mm -hmm. if the daycare has enough essential workers, then the daycare will be open, but that's very sporadic and hit or miss. So for the most part, I would say that's nationwide. Most childcare facilities are closed. However, Illinois just was extended till mid-June. So even when we open mid-June, daycare cannot be opened until phase four, according to our governor. So phase one will be like, well, we will open specific things. And then phase two will open. That will be a different category of things. Category three will be this. And daycare is not considered, I don't believe, until category four, which that could be an additional month, two months after that. That's insane. Ours is a little bit different here where our daycare was still open and still is open. And so if people wanted to send their children to daycare, they could if they were working from home or essential workers. And then what the government here did was give all of the childcare centers a subsidy. So if, because trying to get your child into daycare, it was really like, it's hard to do that. And they didn't want the daycares to fold and not be able to survive. So they've given them subsidies and paying for all the children that may not even be going to daycare. So all the parents' positions of having their children there are safe. So when this is all over and they all can go back to daycare, their spots are there and the daycares have survived to be able to do that. Wow. I mean, I know uh, I speak to the director of our daycare because her son and Nora are really good friends. So her and I communicate and I know that she was, and now I don't know if you guys have it called furloughed where it's not like you are let go from your position. You are, they're basically saying, we're not going to pay you, but when we are able to open up, we want you to come back. They call that furloughed. Okay. We call that standing down. So I've been stood down from work and that's what that means. Yeah. So in that instance, now what our country is struggling with, because I'm in staffing, so my job is to find people jobs, we're competing with unemployment. So people who are unemployed in this country, they are given a certain specific amount weekly. Now, if you're furloughed, additional on top of your unemployment, whatever that payment may look like, given a separate payment from the state versus the federal government. And so we compete. So if I had a job that was maybe minimum wage, someone who is laid off or furloughed is making more money by not working than taking a job that's considered minimum wage. People may say, hey, I'd rather not work. I'm just going to stay home and do nothing. So how much is the, I'm a bit confused with what that means. So the government is giving funding as well as the, the state. So they get two? Correct. They get two. So I, it's my understanding just to speak in numbers, just to keep it simple. Uh So let's say hypothetically, someone is laid off and you're filing for unemployment. You could be eligible to say hypothetically $600 a week. Okay. Or let's say $400 because I think furloughed, you get some additional funds. So $400 a week. And if you're furloughed, so you're going to be coming back to your position, the state would give you $600. So each week you're getting a thousand dollars, which is a lot more than someone who's making, let's say $15 an hour. You're getting paid more to basically do nothing, stay home than to go back to work, which has become a problem. 
Yeah, it's a little bit like that here because the government has done something called Job Keeper, where they're giving businesses the money to still pay staff. And what it works out to is about $1,300 a fortnight. And that's okay. how much I the don't government. Know what a fortnight is. Uh, fortnight? You don't know what a fortnight is? No. Really? You've never heard no. of it? <laughs> that's a game here. That's like a video game. Fortnite? <laughs> It is, it is a game, but a fortnight is uh, two weeks. Oh, no. What do you call we don't that? Use that? Two weeks, bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. So if you get paid, yeah. you, we, we'd say we get paid fortnightly. You would say bi-weekly? Yeah, we get paid bi-weekly. Oh, okay. So that means every <laughs> second week. Okay. So yeah. bi-weekly, <laughs> we get, yeah, we get $1,300 bi-weekly. And then if they're just on government support, which... Uh, is job seeker. So we've got job seeker and job keeper and job seeker means that they are looking for work. And that is about $1,100 biweekly. And so, yeah, it is a little bit less than the job keeper, but the job keeper is designed to try and keep jobs during this because obviously we can't work. And the government has put that in place because they're trying to save lives. Now for you guys, if you are job keeper, Mm -hmm. Is that person's position guaranteed to go back? Yes, unless the company folds. Okay, so obviously I'm not furloughed, but it is my understanding because we communicate with people who have been furloughed and laid off and we're helping them try to find a job that they say I've been furloughed, but my company has told me that they're, they're not guaranteed that I'm going to have a position to come back to. So they're left in this limbo where it's like, okay, I'm being paid, but there's a good chance I'm not... I don't have a position when this opens up. Mm. We have our employment is full-time, part-time and casual. Do you have the same thing? Um, no, we just have full-time or part-time. So the casual means that they can let you go basically at any time and they don't have to give you a certain amount of hours per week. They can just get you in for one week. You may do every shift one week. You may not get any shifts. And so a lot of our workforce in Australia is based casually. And so a lot of people are paid that way. So they don't really have to have a job when they get back. That's the, that's the little loophole there, but part-time and full-time they do. Yeah. That's the kind of way that people can get around it here where it's a little bit like that. There is still a lot of people here that may not have a job when it comes back. And I have seen some businesses that have shut down, unfortunately, but we are in a very different boat than the USA right now where we never shut fully down. So our all like Kmart, our, we call it Bunnings, but I think, what would you call it? Big store where you get all of your hardware. Uh, like Home Depot? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> so all of those places are still open. Our malls are still open. A lot of the shops in them are shut, but you still can go to the mall. They kind of don't want people stopping and just browsing. They want you to go in, get what you need and go home. Where like, is Kmart still open for you guys and Walmart? So we don't have Kmart anymore. Don't you? No, we, I mean, if we do, they're like few and far between. Like I, we don't have Kmart anymore in the US. So we have like Target or Walmart. Those are basically the main, like where you can get groceries and like shopping, like your daily things. Those are open, but I go to the store and they have like to come into the store, you have to have a mask. They won't let you in unless you have your face covered. You either have to have a mask or a scarf around your face. But even there are arrows on the floor 
showing you which direction you can go in each aisle. You can't go like an opposite direction. So if there's an error going one way, you can't go the other way. If you miss something, you have to go all the way around and come back to get it. When you check out, everything is six feet apart. So you have to stand really spread out. Six feet. We're 1.5 meters here. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like your wingspan. That's kind of like your distance. That's probably about six feet, maybe a little less. Yeah, okay. But when we do, like, if you guys, do you guys have self-checkout? So, like, mm -hmm. if you're checking out at, like, the super, okay. So, if you go and do that, they have someone there on standby. So, as soon as someone leaves a section, they spray it down. They wipe yeah. everything down, the keyboards. Even, like, our carts, like, if our shopping carts, uh -huh. they use bleach or whatever. Everything's wiped down. We call them trolleys. <laughs> a trolley. A trolley, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is something a lot of individuals get on here in San Francisco and they ride the trolley. So. Oh, yeah, we call that a Not. tram. <laughs> oh. oh, Here, uh, just going back to your Target and your Kmart, Walmart, yeah, yeah, that's what we would call a grocery store basically here where what I was referring to when I say Target and Kmart in Australia is more like a Macy's, I guess. Because we don't have food in our Target or, or those or Kmart. So they're still open where you can go buy clothes. Is like a Macy's still open over there? No. No. Well, now each state is different. So mm -hmm. our country is not completely in like a, a shutdown. It is recommended stay-at-home orders. It's not mandated. So Is it not? No. So each state has, can do its own thing based on what the governor says. So in the state of Illinois, our malls are shut down. So I couldn't go to a Macy's and buy something. Everything has to be e-commerce. So you have to order it online and pick it up. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of places that are trying to be creative in that you can order it online and go pick it up. So I would shop a lot at Bye Bye Baby, which is where you can get diapers and clothes and whatnot. You can place your order online and then they have drive up pickups. So you come up front and they just come out and they put it in your car and you leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of our places are starting to do, we call it click and collect because, you know, we're fancy in okay. Australia. Click and collect. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, you just said that your president, has he not put any restrictions in place at all for the whole country? No. So it's almost like that he's leaving it up to each individual governor to, you know, make their decision. Mm -hmm. I think that he has given the whole country stay-at-home orders, but that is recommended. It's not mandatory. All essential business can go to work. But that is a teetering line of what people will consider essential business. So for example, Hobby Lobby is like a craft store. So I don't know if you guys have things like that. Mm, we'd have like something. Joanne fabric. It's probably similar. You can go and get like crafts and like fabric to make things. So I know some of those companies were fined because they found themselves to be essential because they're like people need to get things for school supplies they they got fined significantly so then they had to move to just the drive up option which their sites aren't considered like easy to check out or order things online so they're probably suffering because they weren't prepared for something like that okay but that order would have come from the state correct 
Okay. Like every state in Australia is at a different point because we've had most states, actually, I think only three states currently are having cases. The rest have no cases at all. So you can't expect them to be at the same level that we're at, which makes sense. But our prime minister, which is equivalent to your president, he brought in levels when this all went down. And so when it started to shut down, he was the one shutting it down. We were listening to everything he was saying they did issue fines and and fines was for people if you were leaving we only have four reasons that we're allowed to leave the house one is to go buy essentials so groceries and anything else that you need one is for exercise so we're allowed to go out and exercise go for a run go for a walk which is massive because i know if i'm not doing that i start to my brain goes Whew. and then uh, to care give and then for the fourth one is Oh, I've gone blank on what the fourth one is. So yeah, so they're the main reasons you're allowed to to leave the house. Other than that, you shouldn't be going out and you could get a fine of $1,600 if you're caught doing the wrong thing. Yeah, and they have fined a lot of people. Wow, that's a lot. So when you say you can go work out now, are your gyms open or you can only work out? Yeah, so no, the gyms are shut. But as of, I think it comes in tomorrow in Victoria, that they are allowed to work out in a group of up to 10 people in a public space. So not indoors, outdoors. And they've still got to keep the 1.5 meter apart from each other. They've all got to supply like their own drink bottles and stuff, which I don't know who would be drinking out of someone else's drink bottle. For us, like we, our gyms are closed. Mm -hmm. Aaron owns a gym. He has to have his facility closed. So the only way for him to plan workouts or anyone that he does any personal training with, he has to work with the equipment that they have at their house and get creative that every single day or every single week that however often that person's working out, come up with an idea or different routines to go along with what their goal is. So if they're an athlete, gearing it towards whatever they're preparing for, or if it's weight loss, doing something that's not just going to be straight cardio or heavy weightlifting, because that individual might not have any weights at their house. Yeah. Are you allowed to leave your house for exercise? Like go for a run? You can go outside for a run and a walk, but you have to wear a mask. So Erin has been training individuals outside that were, I believe, like 10 people, probably similar to what your guidelines are, but they have to wear masks. So if they're running on a football field or they're doing any type of like, you know, speed agility training, they're wearing masks. Which is not easy to breathe. Oh, no. And so we, I had a girlfriend down the street. She made some of the cloth masks so that they're a little bit more breathable, a little bit more comfortable. But I know that Aaron was out there training and the first time they didn't have masks, which was a couple of weeks ago. And a police officer came and said, hey, neighbors have turned you in. You have to leave. You guys can't continue to train. And Aaron's like, OK, well, can we at least finish the workout? And he said, you guys can finish. But tomorrow, you're, you know, if you're coming back, you have to have masks on. He said, OK, we provided these masks. They were training. The police showed up. They walked up. They saw everyone had a mask. And so they turned around and left. Wow. They did come back and check though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to have a mask on. I know I've gone to you know the post office to mail something. There was a lady that was yelling at someone in line because they didn't have a mask on. She's like, they shouldn't even let you in here. You have to wear a mask. Our health advisors here in Australia have told us that there's no point in wearing masks unless they're the proper ones. 
they actually don't do much. And it depends on, which I think you guys have had a lot of cases where nurses and doctors have been exposed because they don't have the correct masks and all of the PPE that they actually need. So we've been recommended here that we don't need it. But again, we're in a very different place than America. We had eight cases overnight for all of Australia. So it's a very different way here because we don't have the amount of people that are sick. Have you had friends close to you or people that you know that have been sick? I have a coworker that she uh, was diagnosed with COVID and she thought she just had, you know, and this is someone who's in their mid twenties, maybe early twenties. She had COVID. She felt like it was a really bad cold, but she had assisted her family. I think it was moving. They were moving to a new place. So she was around her parents that are in their sixties. Her sister had COVID and both her parents had COVID and her dad was doing fine, but her mom who is asthma prone developed pneumonia. So she was hospitalized. So we definitely know people who have it and who have been hospitalized. I mean, it's pretty much everywhere here. Yeah. And how did they get tested? Because is the testing hard to get in America? So the testing is hard. Basically have to come in with either not being able to breathe, you have to have a fever. There's certain specific things you can, I don't believe you can just go in and say, hey, I'd like to be tested just because. There has to be specific things for the reason you're wanting to be tested because we do definitely have a limited supply <laughs> regardless of what people are saying. <laughs> you mean your president? Yeah. Regardless of what he is saying that everyone can be tested and that we have all these tests. No, there's not all these tests. Yeah. Definitely not. And if someone was to go to hospital, do you know roughly how much it would cost? Because you have a very different healthcare system than a lot of the other parts of the world, especially here in Australia. Our healthcare system is very different to the US. So, you know, with the US, everyone, first of all, not everyone has insurance. Someone who has insurance, which my company only pays a portion of my insurance. I do pay out of my paycheck still weekly to go towards my, yeah. So each week, well, we'll just to keep it easy. Each month, I roughly pay $600 for a month for my family's health insurance. And my company, I believe kicks in something similar. So they may pay $600 as well from their side. So they pay, let's say half of my insurance. Wow. So is there businesses that pay all of it? There are a few companies that will pay all of it. That's very rare that a company would pay for all of it. And if they do pay for all of it, typically that is just going to be the employee, not the family. You would then pay out of pocket for your spouse or children. So with, sorry, I'm just trying to get my head around this. So say your your weekly wage is, just make it easy, $1,000. Now, does that $600 that you pay at the end of the month come out of that $1,000 or do you pay on top of that? So you'll pay on top of it. So my, again, out of the $1,000, if you're paid weekly, you would have the 150 taken out out of your each weekly paycheck, but total for the month, it's $600 is going to come out of your paycheck regardless of what. So you'd have $400 left over if you were only paid a thousand for the month. Wow. But then each policy is very different. So, and I used to work for a doctor's office, so I understand insurance. I understand how it works and I can select the insurance that I would like. So each company, a lot of times will give you some options and you can pick what makes sense for your family. So there will be a specific out of pocket that that family is going to pay. 
plus a co-payment. So if I go to the doctor, they may collect money up front from me. And then once they bill my insurance, there's a portion that my insurance is going to pay, but then there's still a portion that I'm going to pay. Just to speak about my insurance, I would have the first $3,000 that my family is going to spend for all three of us. I'm responsible for paying. Then on top of that, for specific, and it varies on what I'm going in for, I may pay $15 or a $30 copay. And then when my, whatever the doctor is billing me, my insurance would pay 80% and I would be responsible for 20% of what they're billing. But then there's, it's very complicated. It's very. It is. And it sounds like it's very expensive. So over a year for you to have insurance you would be paying thousands of dollars just to have the insurance, right? Just to have it. Thousands of dollars just to have it. And if I use it, I'm spending thousands of dollars. So hypothetically, I'm spending $7,200 just to have it. That's what I pay. Wow. That's per year. That's per year. And if I utilize my insurance, I'm responsible. So as a two-year-old, they go in for their their checkups all the time. So you're going to be using it. So between the three of us, most likely we're going to, at the very least, pay pretty close to $3,000 before my insurance even pays anything. And if you don't have insurance? If you don't have insurance, most people probably would go to our emergency rooms because if you don't have insurance, you're then going to be responsible for paying everything out of pocket. So if you went into a doctor's office, even before they see you, before they even talk to you, their their payment could vary. It could be anywhere from $65 to $300 just for them to see you and they may not have even treated you. If that individual, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't have insurance, most likely they don't have a ton of extra money laying around. They would then kind of bog down our system because a lot of these individuals will go to the emergency room, which they have to treat you at the emergency room. And those individuals could choose to just not pay their bill that the hospital then has to write off. So if my child was sick, I could take them to the emergency room. They would treat her prescribe her whatever it is that she needed. And then I could choose to just not pay that bill, which would affect my credit. If I wanted to get a loan in the future, that would affect my credit score. But at that point, that person might not care. So now with COVID, is there any changes to that? Or are all of these fees still happening for all these people that are sick right now? So the fees are still happening. So our president, to my understanding, he said something to the phrase of all COVID treatments would be free. I did hear that. Yes. Which that is not true. So the insurance companies are still trying to collect. If I were to go to the hospital and say, you know, and I was diagnosed with COVID, I'm still going to be responsible for paying it. So would my insurance company. I would basically have to probably fight with the insurance company or that hospital to get them to not charge me. That's just not true. He sometimes speaks and doesn't check with people before what he says and just says, this is what we're going to do and, and then can't you know, live up to whatever it is that he said. Or it doesn't quite make sense, like injecting your body with (laughs) disinfectant. Yeah. Okay. So let's skip over that. (laughs) Now, (laughs) uh, can you just give me an example? I'm just, I'm so stuck on the costing of how much it could cost someone if they're sick right now in America. Do you know roughly how much it would cost if you were to go into hospital? Do you have any examples that you can give me an idea? 
so the only example that I can give where I've been in the hospital, thankfully I've been healthy and so is Aaron, but is when I gave birth to Nora. So mm -hmm. when I went into labor, I was in the hospital for a couple days for my labor and delivery. Now, mind you, Nora actually thinking about this, she was in the hospital for about five days in the IC or in the NICU, which is because she had some complications. Our total bill, I believe that they billed our insurance was $70,000. And what I paid now, just going back to what we talked about, I had already paid $7,200 out of pocket to just have it. Mm -hmm. I also had to pay $6,000, I think, out of pocket. And then my insurance covered the rest. Yeah, you're paying a lot of money up front just to have a child. <laughs> that is a lot of money. We're, we're so lucky in Australia that we have a Medicare healthcare system. So anyone that needs to go to a doctor has the right to go to the doctor for free. And so they swipe our card, which is called a Medicare card, and the government will pay the doctors the subsidy of whatever that is. So it also works right now. They're doing free testing. So you can just go and drive up into a mall car park and they will test for COVID. All of that is under Medicare. No one has to pay anything. If you are sick and you go into the public healthcare system, which most people do, it is all free. You don't pay for anything. The only thing with that is if you have, say you need a surgery on your foot, like I've had in the past, then you may have to wait a year to have that surgery. Now with COVID, it may get delayed even longer because obviously in Australia, what they did was they stopped all of our surgeries that weren't urgent to delay them in case we needed to have the, uh, the beds for ICU. And so they stopped all of those surgeries where now they're starting back up because we haven't gotten to that point because we were lucky enough to be able to contain it and flatten the curve, as they say. It doesn't cost people unless you have private health insurance. So in Australia, if you earn over, I'm not 100% sure, but it's probably around the $80,000 mark, you have to buy health insurance and otherwise they tax you at a higher rate where some people just choose to pay more tax and not pay for that. And that kind of works in a similar way with you guys. Probably doesn't, I don't think it's as expensive. I think it may be only around one to 2000, but again, I'm not, I don't have it. So I can't give you an exact amount on how much that is. Uh, again, you have an excess, which our excess is when you go and you have to still pay a certain amount to top up before the insurance then kicks in. So it is like that, but not many people I actually know have have it because it is so expensive and it's really, we've got such an amazing healthcare system here that not everybody has it. So my brain immediately goes to how, who pays these doctors? If the government pays, you guys pay like high tax out of your paychecks? Yes. Okay. So you're, ta you're taxed on it to a certain degree to basically cover your health insurance. So you are essentially probably kind of paying for it. Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, we have high taxes and we have, I mean, things are expensive here and the taxes are high on a lot of things. But if you ask me if I prefer that over your, than your system, a hundred percent, because right now when it's a health crisis, we know we're covered and we know we can go to a hospital and to a doctor and we're going to be looked after. So what worries me with the US is the cases that they're saying that you guys have are only people being tested in hospitals, correct? Correct. I mean, I've seen like on the news, I personally haven't gone. They do have these like drive up 
test spots that you can go, but I don't know anyone personally who has gone to just drive up and get tested. Anyone that I know who has been tested actually had to go to the doctor and say, hey, I was exposed to someone, I'm short of breath, you know, I have a high fever. You have to have specific symptoms Criteria. for them to then agree to utilize, you know, they're already short amount of stat, short amount of um, tests on you to get you tested. So you have to qualify. You can't just go in and be like, Hey, I want to be tested just because I want to give myself peace of mind that I want to be tested. The other thing is, as far as like our numbers, I have a friend that works in the ER and she basically said, unless she's admitting someone, she doesn't test them for COVID. So someone has to be critically ill to be tested. Wow. So that just leads me to believe that the numbers in America are way higher than what is even being reported. Oh, absolutely. And the other piece of that is that she had informed me that she in no way is being pressured to diagnose with someone with COVID. However, if someone had, let's say, a pre-existing disease where they had cancer and they were in hospice and they ultimately had let's say three months left uh, to live, that was what they were given. If they came down with COVID and they were diagnosed positive with COVID and they died, they would be marked as a COVID death. We aren't testing a ton, but that also could be inflating our numbers a little bit because there's no way you have to mark them as a COVID death just to keep track because you don't know ultimately is that what killed them or was it they were going to die anyways. Let's not mark it as COVID. Yeah. Oh, it's very sad and scary. And yeah. how are you living with the anxiety of this? Like when you're going out, are you feeling really anxious? Oh my gosh. I, I mean, if I talk amongst like my coworkers, everyone here is anxious. Everyone has so much anxiety because you just don't know. And it's not even, you see these 30 somethings dying and it's like, am I going to be that 30 something that's going to die? And that I have some sort of underlying condition that I didn't know that I had and that it's going to come out because of this virus. Even still, like, am I going to give it to my husband? Am I going to give it to my child? Am I going to give it to my in-laws? You just, you don't know. It might not affect you, but it could affect the other person that you may come in contact with, whether it's now or when things do open up, because this isn't going to go away. It's, it's not going to go away like the flu. You know, the flu's not going to go away. The flu's going to be here every single year. Everyone's eventually going to get it. And it's very anxious until we have treatment or sort of vaccine. So what have you been doing to, to survive? What have you been doing to get through? Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to even just, I guess, survive to even leave the house, we have to wear masks. Obviously, we use hand sanitizer like crazy. And we're just being really diligent about washing our hands and using Clorox wipe to wipe things down. But to keep ourselves entertained at home, I mean, our two-year-old <laughs> entertains us. I do a lot of videos of her just honestly to give myself some relief, some comedic relief, like just to laugh because she does funny stuff. She does very funny stuff. <laughs> so funny. It is so good. Where can people actually find these videos? Can you give them a heads up so they can go have a giggle too? Because they are so funny. Nora is too, right? And she yeah, is she just speaking and she is adorable. If Heather sounds familiar to you, maybe you actually watched a show called Seven Year Switch. Yes. Yes. Seven year switch, yes. <laughs> Heather and Aaron actually were on that show. And you guys, 
did amazing. You really did. I loved watching it all the way from Australia. It was fun. It was a great experience. And the couple that we were paired with, with, which is the ER doctor that I've referenced before, we became close friends through this. But I do post a lot of videos to my Instagram page where, I mean, she has, she's speaking now and she will mimic anything that you do, but nothing, you can, kids truly say the darndest things. And she will tell you exactly how she's feeling. She told my husband his breath smelled so bad. We were in the middle of doing our bedtime routine where she would, she likes to sing her song and we'll lay her down. She was in the middle of her song. She stopped mid song, moved my husband's lips and like, was like, Ooh, I don't like that. Like, and just totally called him out about his breath not being right. I'm like, Aaron, you cannot skip brushing your teeth in quarantine. Like, <laughs> Nora will call you out. I was trying to document an adorable moment. And uh, yeah, she's called you out forever. Like his family <laughs> teases him about this now. So yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. So if you, if you ha- have the chance, go and watch. Also on TikTok, what's your name on TikTok that people can follow? Oh my gosh. So I just, again, the TikTok is the new social media site for us. And most, I mean, most 30 something year olds aren't even on TikTok, but I've used it to just edit North videos. So it's just Heather Reed on TikTok. It actually might be Heather L. Reed. To my knowledge, it's public. I'm still figuring out how to run it, but it's, <laughs> it's a good app. I'm not on there yet. So I find it all a little bit confusing, but I probably will get on there at some point because there is some really funny, funny videos going on. And if this one is on there of Nora, you should check it out. (laughs) Yes. Well, even like, and most people, I don't know about you, Shell, like, you're just, you're bored. And so sometimes you're just, you'll go like, whether you're going to bed or you're just sitting there, you'll scroll through Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok. I get into like so deep into a hole where I'm like scrolling and scrolling and hours will go by. I'm in bed. I'm like, go to bed. This is not even important, but you just get sucked into ad or this video or that was funny. And you just get sucked into a social media trance. (laughs) Well, I think when there's not much else to do in your home, sometimes that, that is okay. It is all right to do that. I've been trying to kind of put my phone down for a certain amount of time because I'm by myself. I don't have children. I don't have anyone else living with me. I made a big point early on because I was just sitting down watching TV all day and I had either TV or my phone in my hand. And I thought, you know what, this is going to be a bad habit for me to get into. Then when I go back to work, I'm going to be craving stimulation all the time. I made a choice to try and put them down for a certain amount of time. And then what I find happens is because I'm a creative and a comic, I like to make people laugh. So I'm having all these ideas of skits I can do, but then my motivation is really low right now. So then I have this internal battle where I'm like, I've got this amazing skit to do, but I also can't be bothered. I know. And like, I feel like I find myself like getting like, especially on the weekend when I'm not working, that I'll like, oh, I want to clean out my closet. I want to do all these things. I'm going to take everything out of my closet. And then I was like, oh, Nora's napping. I kind of just want to lay here. Like, because she's so active. I don't know how many times I can play hide and go seek. Mommy's going to go hide and she's going to hide for till you can't find her because I'm going to like go hide in the closet. There's only so many hide and seek places I can hide in this house. And it, it's exhausting. It, right now in the US, it's at least in Illinois, it's not that warm. So to get outside, it's raining. So you're stuck inside. 
finally it's getting a little bit warmer here. So we'll get to go outside. We do sidewalk chalk or play basketball. It's just to be stuck inside. It, it's a lot. It is. So what else have you been doing? Have you been watching any shows in particular or reading? I haven't been reading. I typically am a reader. I've been doing podcasts, but <laughs> I listen to Michelle on podcasts, but I <laughs> Royal Pains on Netflix. It, have you seen that show? No, Royal I Pains. haven't. Royal Pains. Okay. It's, it's a series. I think there might be seven seasons. Don't quote me on that, but I like long seasons, <laughs> a medical mystery. He's an ER doctor who essentially got let go from a hospital, but now he's a concierge doctor. So he's in the Hamptons and he's treating all these weird illnesses and it's very mysterious and it, it's good. I won't spoil it for you, but it's good. It got me hooked. Okay. That sounds good. I just wrapped up that not a lot of TV, honestly, nor keeps me busy cooking. We've been cooking. I still, I'm a meal prep person with my routine that you heard pre-quarantine. If I'm going to have dinner ready for Aaron when he gets home, I have to have everything that I need at home. There's no, no stopping at the grocery store once I pick Nora up from daycare. So we're cooking, we're meal prepping. So what are you cooking? I'm asking everyone oh. to give me a recipe. Give me a recipe. I'm going to be cooking all of these things. So I might have to modify some of the things in there, but I'm going to have a crack. <laughs> I believe it's the Hilton Doubletree. So that's a chain hotel here. And so when you check into these hotels, they give you these chocolate chip cookies. And so it has not been a recipe that they released to the public. It's just one of their famous cookies that they had and when you showed up and you checked in they'd give you this warm cookie and it was delicious oh warm cookies so they released this recipe i think they may have released it on facebook my husband is has a sweet tooth his favorite thing is chocolate chip cookies and so he's like will you just will you try making these i'm like sure i'll give it a shot the thing that makes these cookies different is they have walnuts in them first of all oh they have oatmeal in them but the piece that's really different is lemon juice so they have lemon juice in these cookies. I don't really know what it does, but they have very specific instructions on how to stir it, how to mix it, when to mix things together. Okay. Cook time, how big the cookie should be. These cookies are massive. So when you roll up the dough, I would say it's probably the size of like a ping pong ball. Okay. But maybe like a golf ball, actually. It's big. So these cookies are massive when you cook them. So you can't put too many on a tray. No, you can put about six on a tray and that's it. So you're cooking several rounds and it's low temperature. So it's 300 degrees, which maybe I think most cookies are 350, maybe 400. It's low temperature, long. I think each cookie is like 20 minutes, but then they want you to have them on the tray for at least an hour to cool. Cause when you pull them out, they almost look doughy. Like they are still very wet. They're not brown. And so you need to let them sit and kind of continue to cook on the pan. I probably, I definitely haven't left them on there for an hour, but maybe 15 minutes so that they're cool enough that you can actually get them off the pan. And so that way they're really soft for even days after putting them in a, you know, a container. I did see a video that Aaron did of him eating them. Was it very late at night? Oh my gosh. So he got stuck in the Bulls Last Dance documentary and was just in this funk. I had already gone to bed and he's like, man, I'm just bored. So he went, had himself cookies, ice cream, sat there, ate it, and then went to bed. It's just quarantine treat that he just could not fight off. <laughs> Do you have the recipe there that you can read out to me? Oh yeah. 
I can I can read it out to you. You are going to use two sticks of butter. I don't know how your butter comes, but that's no. a half a pound of butter. Half a pound. A half a pound okay. of butter. I'll have to do because we don't work in pounds in Australia, oh. so I'll have to figure <laughs> figure out okay. how much that is. But that's good to know. Two pounds. Okay. No, half okay, a pound. Okay, so it's a half a pound, and then it's three fourths of a cup plus a tablespoon. So I don't know how again mm-hmm. how that you works. guys measure things. That, okay, three fourths of brown sugar, two eggs, one and a fourth teaspoon of vanilla extract. Is that one quarter? One four. quarter, yeah. One, quarter. yeah. One, one and a quarter. Oh, one um, and a quarter. Okay. One and a quarter teaspoon, a quarter teaspoon of freshly squeezed uh, lemon juice, two and a fourth cup of flour, a half a cup of rolled oats, so like oatmeal, mm-hmm. a teaspoon, one teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of salt, a pinch of cinnamon, Two and two thirds cup of Toll House semi sweet. So we use Nestle. Do you guys have Nestle there? Mm-hmm. Nestle Toll House. Okay, so those chips, and then one three fourths cup of chopped walnut. When you say one three fourths, three quarters, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, <laughs> just gotta clarify. <laughs> yeah, and so then they have very specific instructions on how you are supposed to make these. So it's like they down to the time. So like, for example, they want you to cream the butter. So it's soft butter with sugar, the brown sugar in a bowl for exactly two minutes on medium. Exactly. Do not go any more or any less. (laughs) I set a timer because once I saw how delicious these cookies were, I was like, well, I have to follow it exactly now because my husband's accustomed to these delicious cookies. If this matters, then I've ruined an entire batch. Yeah. So then you have to do the eggs and the vanilla and the lemon juice. You blend that for two minutes until it's light and, light and fluffy. In the same bowl? In the same bowl. Uh-huh. So then you've done that for two minutes. You've added that in. Then it wants you to mix the flour, the oats, the baking soda, the salt, the cinnamon, for 45 seconds on low, don't overmix it. <laughs> wow. I know. I mean, it's very specific. Very much. And so it's almost like, I would say it's almost clumpy a little bit at the end of it. And then you mix the walnuts and the chips in, but you manually stir those in. And then you spoon them out three tablespoons of dough, which like I said, is probably the size of a golf ball. And you cook them for 20 minutes at 300. So I'm really curious if you don't have a mixer. Wonder how long you stir it for. Oh my god! Do you have a stand mixer or like no. a hand mixer? I've got a hand what? mixer. I, I've got a small apartment, <laughs> and I'm not a mama. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you have Amazon? Like, do I need to send you a stand mixer? Do you guys have Amazon? You have Amazon, right? We do. Yeah, but stand mixers are expensive. <laughs> Quarantine. Start baking, Michelle. <laughs> Time to splurge. <laughs> Do you have an Instapot? What's an Instapot? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's like, I cook at almost every single meal, basically in an Instapot. It's a pressure cooker, but uh-huh. you, it's a plug-in. You can like, it's like a skillet. It's a pressure cooker. It's a slow cooker. You can cook a pot roast in 30 minutes frozen. It's- I've seen them when I've been in the US with you guys. I've seen you use them. And I think you even cook dip or something in it, right? Is that what you use to cook the dip? That's a crock pot. So that's a slow oh. cooker. This this will cook anything under pressure quickly with steam. Yeah, okay. I've got a pressure cooker, but it's not electric. And it's only does the pressure cooking. That's it. 
So like you could cook like a frozen chicken breast straight from the freezer in eight minutes. Yeah, right. Okay. Awesome. And it's so juicy. You need to invest in one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to receive some packages from Amazon for me. Oh, the American lifestyle is very different, different than the Aussie <laughs> one. Well, and so they come out just as good as the cookies from the Hilton? Uh, Aaron thinks they're better. Better? It's because they're made with love. That's why. They're made with love. So what is the biggest thing that you're struggling with? For me personally, I mean, because Aaron and I are still working, our biggest struggle is honestly juggling work with having a, a very busy two-year-old. I mean, it gives me so much anxiety because on one hand, I feel like a bad employee because I can't commit the same hours as any other individual who's working on my team, you know, maybe they're able to do their full eight hours or even more hours, 10 hours, because we are in quarantine, they're not logging off like they normally would otherwise. So you feel like a bad employee on one hand, but then you feel like a bad mom on the other hand, because I'm telling my child during the week, like, shh, shh, be quiet, like watch TV, you know, do YouTube, like, I'm on a call, or I'm trying to send emails. So I struggle most with that, but then I also struggle with the fact that Aaron and I have to flip-flop our schedules. So I will sit in our back bedroom, lock the door because Nora will come in. She'll knock, mommy, open the door. Come on, come out here and play. You know, that is heartbreaking, but Aaron and I are also separated because he's got to be out there watching Nora while I'm working, vice versa. If he's working or he has to leave to train someone outside, it's just Nora and I. So our time is still somewhat limited and we're in quarantine. That honestly is our biggest struggle is just figuring out what to do with our time and keep her entertained and not have her be a TV zombie. Yeah, it is a hard mix, isn't it? And how has your relationship with Aaron been through this, having to be together all the time? Uh, I think probably every married couple starts out like, at first it's like, okay, this is nice. We're, you know, we're getting to have some more time. But then when you, at least for Americans, you have a routine of doing things. Him and I's schedule did not really overlap that much. So my routine with Nora was just me and Nora. And our morning routine was me and Nora's routine. And so now he has intruded. Initially, it's like, oh my gosh, like you're messing up our whole routine. So you're kind of probably at each other a little bit more than normal. But now we have developed a whole new routine, which I guess even Aaron would say is a blessing because he misses a lot of time with Nora. And now she's attached to him more than ever because daddy's home way more than he's ever been. So there's you got to look at the positives. Yeah. And I think there's also going to be a change when everything does go back to as normal as it can be, that then the anxiety of going out and then leaving her and the same as you having to go back to work and taking her to daycare and then her settling back into daycare, like there is going to be a lot of shifts again when it all goes back. Yeah. I mean, and that itself gives me, you know, a level of anxiety that's hard to shake too, because she'd been in daycare since she was 12 weeks So she knows these teachers. She's in the same class with the same kids. Like she misses them. But now it's going to be like when I drop her off, she's used to being with me. Where's mom going? She's old enough to know when I'm gone. She usually shakes it off fairly quickly. She's going to have her own anxiety of not being with me all the time. Our routine here. But even for me, I talked to my boss about what it looks like for us to come back. We have to do what they're calling like a rolling schedule because I have to take an elevator to get to my floor. So we can't have everyone come at the same time. 
So we'll have to have staggered times where we come in to not overwhelm the elevators. Our office is set up in cubicles. Well, that's not six feet apart. Not everyone will be able to work on the same days. I make calls. I'm in sales, so I'm making calls. I have to do that with a mask. So until we can have more than 10 people in an office, we're not all going to be back at the office for a while. Are the states shut, like as in each individual state? Can you go to Iowa right now? I can go to Iowa. So the states aren't shut. I've talked to a few people and like some of them are venturing out. We can honestly, like I said, it's not mandated. I have young people that we work with that have traveled to Florida. They've gone to beaches. They're <gasps> flying. Wow. Because the airfares right now are so incredibly cheap for these young folks. They think, I mean, unfortunately, Americans, we we're selfish. We think about ourselves a lot of times. And like they keep telling us, it's not about whether or not you're going to die from it. It's who you're going to come in contact with that you're exposing them to something that it could kill them. Mm. We have people still traveling, still going on vacation. So I could go visit my family in Iowa, but my dad is immune suppressed. So we'll really have to consider whether or not we're going to go there and what precautions we'll take if we do go to visit. So Heather and I met in Iowa a very long time ago now. I think we were both, well, actually you were super young. <laughs> we were oh. such little babies. Oh my God. That feels like forever ago. It was forever ago. College. Oh, you gosh. were in college. And I, I remember that whoever I was visiting had left me and I ended up staying with another friend. And then Heather comes over the next day and brings me food. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> oh my god that feels like ages ago like seriously ages ago it oh was it was probably 2001 i'd say oh yeah around there oh 2003 maybe oh no it was around there anyway it's so funny doesn't 2001 2003 it doesn't seem that long ago but it was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> it's like 19 it's like it's like oh that was you know 2000 but that was forever ago so yeah, Heather grew up in Iowa on a farm, right? Yeah, I grew up in a small town, Pocahontas, just like the Disney movie. And yeah, I grew up on a farm, corn, soybeans, and then I met Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and then your life changed. And we had a big Forever. Aussie party where everyone dressed up. I was the only Aussie and it was really beautiful. And we have all been friends. I love Iowans. And if you have never met someone from Iowa, I don't know if you've met a true American. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I mean but honestly like even Midwest Americans are different and now for Australia do you feel like different parts of Australia there's different type of Aussies like oh these Aussies are more bougie and these Aussies are more you know laid back or absolutely you know, yeah yeah so, uh, Queenslanders yeah. are very different than Melbournians and Victorians because Queensland is the sunshine state where you know they're all near the beach if they live near the beach or they're all in the country so it's very different than being from especially I, mean, I guess that's anywhere coming from a city town to a country town is very different right. as well but going back actually sorry back to the states here our, a lot of our states are shut so we can't cross a lot of the borders so you can't go and because some states are worse than others, they don't want us taking diseases over to their clean states where they have no cases, which makes sense. But you guys haven't done that. No, no state border is shut. No. And so that's the thing that I, I do think is wrong that our, our country isn't doing because like you just pointed out, there are states like my Iowa where my family lives, there is far less cases 
than Illinois and we're neighboring states. So I, just like me, I'm coming from a very, our numbers are insane, like in the thousands. Like every time you turn on the news, it's like another 200 people have died. It's, it's insane. And I'm going to a state where there's very few or even a small town where my parents are from, where it's like 1500 people, I could be bringing like no symptoms and bring it to an entire little town that has a very small, I mean, that would collapse their healthcare system there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a small hospital. You have maybe a couple nurses, a doctor, that's it. Yeah. It's, It's an issue. It is an issue. And your president has been viewed (laughs) from all around the world. I would like to find out how Americans are seeing it compared to how another country around the world is witnessing it because the things we're seeing are quite, I'm going to be honest, ridiculous. Like the things that he's saying. And I've also actually learned a lot about the Democrats and the Republicans. To be honest, I knew nothing about that before. And I know that he keeps saying some states that are doing better are the ones that he he's with, which means he's a Republican. I'm like, oh, you're a Republican. Okay. I've learned this since all this has been happening. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but it's hard to watch, to be honest. Like it, it's almost like I watched and I would listen to what he had to say. But at this point, it's the things that he says are so ridiculous. I've stopped watching because it's, mm-hmm. you can't stop it unless you're going to riot, which during COVID, we know at this point that having masses of people is an issue that's not helping the cause. I can't even watch because it's so ridiculous and somewhat so offensive. And re- like, he says things and can't even back it up. And he uses his power to then try to back it up. He'll say, oh, I'm doing something with Google. And Google will say, we're not doing that. And then all of a sudden, Google's doing it. And it's because he's the president, he can force their hand in doing something that he never even got approval for. Oh, that's interesting. I can't watch him, to be honest. Yeah, because we're hearing a lot about the presidential election coming up and it sounds like that's all he keeps talking about compared to actually health over wealth, which is people's health. And that's the unfortunate part because people are truly dying and he's more concerned about being reelected than actually doing what he can while he's in office. I will be shocked and I mean, our country is always shocked, but I will be shocked if he gets reelected. The news here only really... I mean, they show his full press conferences and I've been watching them, but then the news only really shows the snippets of the ridiculous comments that he makes. And so that's what we're seeing here are those comments and then the numbers that America has. So it's it's hard to not feel sorry for your country. It really, it, it is because we're in a, a place right now where we're lucky that we you know, like I said, we had eight cases for our whole country and our the way our system worked here is our our prime minister and then all of the premiers, which are the people that lead the states here, which I think you call governors, they are mm-hmm. all working together. And so they've got this full cabinet that they keep discussing and then the, each state has the right to move the way they want under a guideline from the top. And it actually has been working for us. And so we're really lucky. And I don't actually know who most of the premiers belong to, which political party. I have no idea. 
because if right now they're actually showing a united front, which is quite amazing. I would wish that for you guys that they all pull their heads in and they actually work together yeah. to try and help, especially those that are really sick and that may need it and may not even be able to go to hospital. Do you think people are not going to hospital because they can't afford it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so like I said, I was talking with my girlfriend who is an ER doctor and what she said was, is that people who, even outside of COVID, people are scared to go to the hospitals here because if, if someone's having heart issues, they might not go to the ER or the hospital because they're scared of getting COVID, but they're prolonging the treatment that they actually need. Mm. And on the same, on the same sense, if you're not working or your spouse isn't working, you think, is this really serious? Do I need to go to the emergency room? Because they're thinking about the bill that they're going to get or the bill they're going to have to ignore that's going to, you know, hurt their credit that they just don't go. I looked up really quick just to give you perspective of what our numbers look like. You guys have eight for the entire country for, for the one day. Yeah. Overnight, eight new cases for the whole country. So right now for just the state of Illinois, they have our numbers at 70,871. That's just for my state. We've had... That's not new cases though, right? That's all overall? No, that that's officially, yeah, it looks like t today, I don't think that they've added it, but it looks like it's almost 2,600 for the day, new cases. Wow. We have 715 recovered out of 70,000 and 3,111 deaths hmm. for just my state. For us, the new announcement was that our stay-at-home order is, you know, mid-June. And with the numbers still going up in the thousands daily, I don't know when this is going to end for us. Yeah, it's very scary. You know, we're lucky here that we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. They've just announced that our kids can go back to school. They're not all going back at the same time. They're going to go the younger ones and then the two oldest grades. And then they're going to scatter the times of that they arrive and the time they leave, like you just said, with your workplace. Oh, that's so smart. That's so smart. Well, so for us, like, I mean, even your kids are remote right now, right? They're doing Correct. like school online. Yeah, unless they're so essential th workers. So the schools are open. And if you are an essential worker or the children are at risk in any way, then they can go to school. The scary part for us is like some children, the only meal that they get is when they go to school. It is really important that our schools do open. There are like companies and organizations that are, you know, those that may not get meals, they're bringing those foods to them, their meals. But that's if you reach out and say, hey, my kid doesn't have a meal. It's really scary. Now my kid is not school age, but there is talk and these situations change daily. What we're told today is different tomorrow, the next week and the following week. But right now, I think the state of Illinois, they might not be going back to school even in the fall. So it's possible that the children won't even go to school at all in 2020. Wow. So even September, August, September, October, they may not even be going to school. Yeah, but with numbers like you just mentioned, how could they? They couldn't send them back. Yeah, it just yeah. wouldn't be safe. So because we're not doing, we're doing not a lot of testing, you know, at least for the Americans, we, you often wonder and you start to second guess when you have a president that says things like, what's true? You start to question what you truly can believe and you wonder, are these numbers accurate? Are there this many deaths? Which my friend who's the ER doctor, she made it very clear. You can 
you can lie about positive cases, but you can't lie about deaths. So if you have 3,000 deaths, that is final. Those are, there's death certificates. You can't make those numbers up. So regardless, she made a very good point is what is enough deaths? Like even if they are inflated, even if the government's lying, what is enough deaths that's significant for the American people to feel like, okay, we do need to stay, continue to stay shut down. Mm. And I'm like, right. Is that not enough death? I know. But then on the other hand, it's really hard, isn't it? Staying home all the time. So, but I mean, I don't know what they would be able to do to, to stop the spread. And are they doing contact tracing? I don't believe so. So that's one of the biggest things that we're doing here in Australia is what they did from the start, which has been pretty amazing. So anyone, obviously we're a big Island, so we can shut our borders and we did shut them down really quick. And so we stopped people from being able to enter into Australia when it was starting to hit a point where they were starting to get really worried and realizing that maybe people weren't following the regulations, anyone coming back into Australia. So if there was people that were living overseas and they wanted to come home or they were visiting overseas and they were coming home, they put them in hotels for two weeks. So everyone was being isolated in hotels. So they couldn't be at home and go, I'm just going to go to the supermarket and grab something. So they kept them in hotels. And that was, I think, the best thing that we did that kept our numbers down really low because we isolated those cases. And then the contact contact tracing that we've been doing here is phenomenal. Then finding everyone they've, they've been in contact with and locking them down as well. And we now have an app in Australia that they want everyone to be able to download which is basically a tracing app. So some people are saying, you know, oh, it's an invasion of privacy. But if you don't, if you have Google or you have Facebook, so is that. That tracks everything, (laughs) listens to everything. Like if you look at your ads, it's going to be about something you've just spoken about. This will then trace everywhere that you've been. So if once we start opening up, which we're going to be doing in the next few weeks, they can then go, okay, you spent, say you and I went out together for an hour, you spent an hour together, I've come back positive. They then can, from this app, trace that you also have been in contact with me. You'll be alerted straight away that you need to go into isolation. So that's where we're at currently. That's insane. Like, no, like even because I meet with people all day long just for what I do for a living, a lot of Americans travel for work. Like even my boss would travel to different states, different parts of Illinois, and I would meet with them, have lunch with them, talk to them, be in and out of their office, we're shaking hands still. Like it just, they did not shut things down quick enough when it became an issue. Even when it started in New York, it started in Seattle. We had people coming in and out of the country. They did not shut anything down as quickly as they, I mean, my mom was in Europe the five days before they shut our borders, before they, they banned international travel. My mom had just gotten back in the country. Was she then told that she had to go into isolation for a certain amount of time? No. Nope. She actually, because she lives with someone who's immune suppressed and my sister, who's a nurse practitioner, told her, you need to go get tested to see if you're coming back positive because you traveled all over Europe. Mm. And they told her no, they, they would not test her. She tried to call, I don't know if it's the CDC or who it was for the United States to see if she could get a test. And they basically said, if you do not have a fever and you are not short of breath, you cannot be tested. 
We did that for a little while here as well, where the testing was quite strict, but now obviously we've kept our numbers low. So they have opened it up to everybody to try and figure out how much community transmission there is. And we are very lucky that some of our states have been running at zero for weeks now. That's amazing. But again, we have the benefit of being a big island and we're not attached to any other countries and we have a really strong political parties that are all bonding together and for the greater good of our health. And I hope that ends up happening for you guys as well. If we were able to essentially test anyone as often or as needed, you'd be able to know who had it, when to isolate. But the problem is, is the incubation period of when your symptoms may start. What I get today, I might not even know I have it for two more weeks. That's why it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, Mm. which has given so many people depression, anxiety, because you just don't know when it's going to end. And if your income is linked to that and your livelihood to support your family or yourself, it can get to a very dire situation. Yeah. Which is, you know, this is not what I wanted this episode to be about was like talking about all of the dark side of it. I wanted to talk more (laughs) about what's actually been going on and what you entertain yourself with. But I think it's important for people to be able to listen to. And this is where we're at right now. And so it's good to be able to hear that. And thank you for sharing. I know it's a tough time and it is hard for people for everything right now, but those cookies sound good. And if those cookies are getting you through. (laughs) Yeah. The cookies are getting me through. Thankfully, I have, you know, my family here that honestly, I think on a positive note, I think at least for myself and most Americans and, you know, individuals that I've spoke with, it really puts life in perspective. Mm -hmm. Life is short and you have to figure out what's most important to you. So whether it's your job or your family or spending time with them and getting back to the basics of what's truly important and prioritizing that. Yeah. I don't know for you, but for me, oh my gosh, I can't wait just to hug my family. Just give them the biggest hug. And just, that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is, well, I mean, I've always been a very big family person and I love my family dearly, but to be able to go and hug my nephews and give them the biggest squeeze, that's what I've been missing the most. And then someone said something about work and I was like, oh, work, what's that? I was like, who would be craving yeah. work? Who would have thought that I can't wait to get back to work? <laughs> I know. And like for us, like I visit my family only probably twice a year. Mm. I mean, we FaceTime, we see each other often in that regard, but we spend a week usually during the summertime with my family, just my nephew and my daughter are only a couple months apart. They have so much fun together. We might not get to do that and most likely won't because it's not safe for my family. So I cannot wait to be able to give them a hug and see them and go out, have a drink, go to a bar, go to a restaurant. All of our restaurants are closed. Are they open for takeaway? They're open for drive up. Yeah. For takeout. You can not, I don't think all of them are, but for the most part, most restaurants have tried to figure out how to accommodate that. Yeah. Ours have done that too. So they can't have anyone come in and sit down, but you can go and order off their, whatever menu they may have created to be able to do it for we call takeaway, you call takeout. Same, same. (laughs) (laughs) So if you could travel only within your country, say for the next few years, is there anywhere that you would want to go? I think I would go, I would go to Florida because I love Disney world. If I could go to Disney world, which they're closed right now, (laughs) but then I, I would also probably go to California. My sister-in-law lives in San Diego 
and I have a new niece. I thankfully got to see her uh, before quarantine, and but I would love to go back. I'd love to go back and squeeze her. If money was no object, where in the world would you want to go? I would want to go to Australia. You are so lucky you said that. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the one and only spot I would want to go. Good. But I would have to have something to get me to sleep on that plane ride. And especially, (laughs) we're going to leave Nora at home because I'm not taking a two-year-old on that long of a flight. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. I would love to have you come here. You would love Australia, especially Melbourne. I've heard that it's beautiful. I wish the plane ride wasn't so long, but I think I could do it. It would be talking Erin into it. Yeah, it, it's 14 hours direct from Melbourne to LA. So you right. just go to LA, go to San Diego for a couple of days, and then you come over. There you go. Uh huh. That's the best way to do it. Cause I have done that flight to Iowa many times where I've had to go from Melbourne to LA to Chicago and then to Iowa where I've done it in the one hit and that one hurts. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I would just get fidgety. Like my back would hurt. It does. It does. But yes, yeah, so a lot of people take sleeping tablets and it makes a massive difference. And if you can just sleep your way over, then you'll be fine. Wake up and I'm in a beautiful country. We are approaching our destination. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts for the final five. Your favorite city or town? I want to say Okoboji, Iowa. Yeah, it is beautiful. I have been there. Weirdest food you've ever eaten? Well, I have two. Can I give you two or does sure. it have to be one? No, give okay. me two. Well, because everyone in my office makes fun of me. So this was even pre being pregnant. I would eat peanut butter sandwiches and dip it in ranch. Oh. And then in Iowa, we're famous for doing chili and cinnamon rolls. So I dip my cinnamon roll in my chili. That is pretty weird. Are you beaches or mountains? Beaches. A tourist site that you recommend is a must-see. So I visit my sister-in-law in San Diego, and I would say Pacific Beach is a must-see. It's gorgeous. The waves are rolling. It's it's unbelievable. It is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's cruisy. It's chill. It's laid back. It you there's surfers. There's dolphins. It's gorgeous. But I love the big waves. Like I'm kind of mesmerized by big waves for the states. California has different waves than Florida waves. It's they're huge, they're loud, they crash. It's awesome. It's gorgeous. <laughs> You'll like our beaches here. <laughs> Is it? Oh, Is yes. that what they're like? Hey, we're a big oh. island, remember? We got a lot of beaches. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I need to come. Can you say thank you in another language? Uh, yes, in Spanish. Gracias. Gracias. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. And It has been really amazing picking your brain and listening to what is happening over there. Like I said earlier, we just see what's happening on the news. So it's actually really good to hear someone that's living through it and what your, what your life is like right now. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been absolutely amazing catching up and talking with you. Thank you. And I miss you. Thank you so much for having me. I love you. And I miss you. It was good to catch up. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. 
We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.